Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet? Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober, right here on Green Earth Radio. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Appropriate Omnivore on Green Earth Radio. My guest today is Carl Bergert of Olea Estate. Plus, the desserts will tell you how to live appropriately in the upcoming week. But first, let's go to the appetizers and find out what's happening in the world of real food. The United Nations is demanding that we stop eating meat in order to save the planet. The reason is because they claim that 80% of artificial fertilizers are used to grow grains for animals raised for food. But the UN is completely missing the mark on what real solution needs to take place. Many animals are ruminants and shouldn't be eating grains, and no animal should eat grains grown by artificial fertilizers. And if we stop eating meat, then we won't have any natural fertilizer left to grow our crops, and we'll be relying completely on artificial fertilizers. Next, researchers at the University of Wisconsin have written a paper that disproves the argument that GMO crops have higher yields. The researchers reviewed data comparing yields from GMO and non-GMO corn over a period of 20 years. Some GMO varieties yielded small grains, but others didn't. And some GMO crops even had lower yields than their non-GMO counterparts. I'm opposed to GMOs for many reasons, and this recent light on the claim that GMOs get higher yields is another reason to avoid them. In other news, last September, L. Alvin Slangen was acquitted in Hennepin County, Minnesota for the charges of selling raw milk, operating without a food license, and handling adulterated food. Now he's being brought up on six charges in his home county of Stearns. Judge Thomas Knapp denied his claim of serial prosecution. As I'm a raw milk supporter, I'm hoping he'll be acquitted here too, and it's something that's very possible. In his last trial, he was acquitted due to his crimes not harming anyone. Let's hope the same will happen in his upcoming trial. Also, there's a global demand for quinoa based on health benefits. Bolivian farmers are beginning to avoid traditional land management practices, which is endangering the ecosystem of the arid highlands. Farmers have planted quinoa over pastures where llamas graze, but the quinoa can't grow without the natural fertilizer from the llamas. I too support quinoa as a healthy grain, but encourage people to buy quinoa locally if possible, or at least quinoa that's grown in the U.S. to keep the crops sustainable. And finally, the journal Nature Genetics has published a study conducted by a variety of groups from different countries that looked at the evolution of teeth over the last 7,500 years. The study says there have been negative changes in oral bacteria as our diets change when we move from being hunter-gatherers to farmers. Additional changes occurred when we began processing food during the Industrial Revolution. While this isn't news to anyone that's familiar with the studies of Dr. Weston A. Price, it's reassuring to hear that others have come across this information, and hopefully it can lead them to the principles of the Weston A. Price Foundation. And now for our main course, which today is finding real olive oil. Olive oil is the healthiest type of vegetable oil. It has a high percentage of oleic acid and is rich in antioxidants. It's a much better choice for salads than canola, corn, or soybean oils. 
It also can be used to cook at moderate temperatures. But unfiltered pure olive oil can be hard to come by. Many of the industrial olive oils are refined, which results in the oil losing a lot of its health nutrients. Some olive oils don't even consist entirely of this healthy oil and have some of the unhealthy vegetable oils combined in there, but not mentioned on the bottle. Here to talk with me about getting pure, real olive oil is Carl Bergert, a distributor for Olay Estates, one of the best sources you can get for real olive oil. Carl, thank you so much for coming on this program. Hi, Aaron. Oh, it's my pleasure. Believe me. And like past several guests that we've had over the month or so, I met you at the Wise Traditions Conference back in November, and, I mean, that was just such a great network for finding providers of real food. So, you know, we're pleased to have Olay Estates as one of our favorite food sources and wonderful to bring you on the show like these other guests. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, Blessing A. Price Foundation is just wonderful. Um, actually, I don't know if you knew this, but as of January 3rd, they put Olea Estates olive oil on the recommended buy list. Well, that's great because that's certainly yeah. a wonderful list. And, and your product, I mean, certainly deserves it. And if it's at one of the conferences, then, of course, it should be on the list. Oh, I agree. So that's great. So people will know to find it. So how did you get started in the olive oil business in the first place? Well, it's kind of interesting. I, um, <laughs> I've got a I've got a long past ranging from being a police officer to uh, owning a landscape company, and uh, about seven years ago I started organic farming. I'm actually an organic vegetable farmer in uh, St. Louis, about 40 miles west of St. Louis, and I, I grow organic veggies. About 33 different vegetables on a very small farm. Uh, we actually plant less than two acres. Uh, my farm is certified naturally grown, so we strictly do organics. And we work several farmers markets a week during the season. And about four and a half years ago, I was working a local farmers market, and a gentleman came up to me, and we started talking, and he talked about buying my organic vegetables, and he, he was just surprised at the quality. And he said, I didn't know these, these vegetables were available here. And I said, well, of course they are. <laughs> and um, to make a long story short, he was in a doctorate program at one of the local universities, and his name was George Cronus. And George came, he asked me, he said, are you Italian? I said, actually, I am. I said, my mother's family's from northern Italy, from Italy. And he said, oh, do you use olive oil? I said, oh, of course I do, every day. Well, I thought I knew everything about oil, and I sure did not. Um, an hour later, George came back and handed me, I don't even want to say handed me, he presented me in two hands a very, very small bottle, about an ounce and a half little plastic bottle. And he said, would you do me a favor and try this, Carl? And I said, I'd be honored to. He said, it's from my family's certified organic estate in the Laconia region of Greece. And I said, I'd love to. So, Aaron, I took this olive oil home after the, after the market, sat at my kitchen table, poured about a teaspoon on a wooden spoon, and I tried it. And I immediately, being an organic guy, an organic or organic eater, I felt a rush go through my system that I'd never felt. Um, only from good food, good pure foods. It was just an energetic, you know, head to toes. And I thought, oh, this has to be fake. I've never tasted anything like this. I'm in my 50s. I've been using olive oil my whole life. So to make a very long story short, I had about three weeks of due diligence to do, and we had an agreement within three weeks for me to help them bring this olive oil into the United States and introduce it to, uh, to the public. Uh, the olive oil had never been brought in before. 
And this particular olive oil gave the name olea, which means olive in Greek. It's O-L-E-A. And the company is Olea Estates. And that's also the website, oleaestates.com. And I was just freaked out at how good the olive oil was. So I ended up the first day asking him if I could buy some of this and introduce it to the farmer's markets. And I did. And the next, the next uh, farmer's market I went to, I sold all 72 bottles in about an hour and a half. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, the real thing is hard to find in this country. Um, that first year, we brought in about two tons of his family's olive oil. Now, this olive oil had been produced by his family in the Valley of Sparta, which is right in the middle of the Laconia region of Greece, uh, for Phoenicians. And in doing my research, I found out that the, the Laconia region of Greece is arguably the best spot in the world to produce olives and oil. So one thing led to another, and as they got more and more field certified organic, we brought in more product. And last year, we brought in about 20 tons. And we sell the whole crop every year. It's just, when you, you tasted it, it is just literally spectacular. It is absolutely spectacular. And your experience is certainly similar to mine with olive oil and really with many other foods that I've witnessed. When I first started being into the whole sustainable food thing, I find there's always more that you can learn. And I find particularly interesting how you said this has to be fake. And a lot of times I find that when getting the real food because it tastes so different that at first you think, well, this isn't real. And what does that say about the mainstream food industry that the real food that we're supposed to be eating tastes fake at first? It, it, it's just so true. Um, as you well know, and, and you know, I'm an organic guy. I'm in the movement. Um, I'm totally anti-GMO. I'm, I'm all for organic food and for people producing their own food. I, I, you know, I think our food in this country is just abysmal. Um, I think it's dangerous, and I think it's the, the root of a lot of our, our issues. I am lucky enough to be able to go to Greece and work on the farm in Greece with the Kronos family. My first trip over there, the patriarch of the family, who's 78 years old, uh, Nicholas Kronos, he still hikes in the mountains every day. I mean, you can't keep up with him. Uh, he told me while we were in his kitchen in, the, in Sparta, and he was making me mayonnaise, using his olive oil, of course, and his fresh-squeezed lemon juice and his eggs. And, you know, the lemons came from their orchards, their organic orchards. I asked him, I said, Dr. Kronos, he's a retired uh, thoracic doctor, and I said, Dr. Kronos, how do we get Americans to change? And in his heavy Greek accent, he was just a very gracious man. He said, Carl, if they taste the difference in real food like you know it, it'll be a, a big step in the right direction. And I, I couldn't agree more. As, you know, when I go to farmer's markets and sell my organic vegetables, people taste them and they always say the same thing. Holy cow, kale, your, your heirloom tomatoes, they taste nothing like the grocery stores or the big chain corp organic stores out there. Why is that? And, you know, it's hard to explain to them, but it's, it's simple. As you get larger, you lose the quality. So... Um, you know, at Olea States, they literally hand-pick 2,500 trees. They take 10 weeks to go through the trees, hand-picking them. Uh, so, it's, you know, it's three months of picking just the ripe fruit to get it perfect. And that is huge. 
because the, the real benefits of a real pure organic cultivated and harvested olive oil is the high antioxidant levels, not just the flavor, but it's the high antioxidant levels to protect our bodies. And that's only, it's getting, the best way to get that is when the fruit is um, not bruised in any way. So, you know, there's very little oxidation in this product. Uh, you see, is one way you know to measure olive oil, of Olea State's olive oil is only 0.24%. So to be extra virgin by U.S. law, it's 1% or below, and lower is better to put less oxidation into our bodies. So um, it's incredible to find the right thing. And I literally, on a daily basis, get to watch people try this for the first time, and it's just amazing. It's just amazing. People 80 years old tell me they've never tasted uh, olive oil or olives like this ever in their lives. Wow. Yeah, it happened today. I was at a farmer's market this morning, believe it or not, in the winter here. So mm -hmm. it's incredible. Well, that's good to know back where you are in St. Louis, there are some farmer's markets in the winters, because I know in California, we're lucky that we have these year-round farmer's markets. But I oh, know yeah. in yes. some of the Midwest well, and in the colder states, there aren't as many. How is the winter season for you as far as farmer's markets? Well, it's tough. I mean, I don't have anything from, obviously, from my vegetable farms, so... I market the, uh, the Olea State olive oil and olives at the markets here. But several of the markets now are having a, a winter market. There are people that grow indoors in greenhouses. Um, but I won't kid you. I mean, I met you on the West Coast, and I go to the West Coast and the East Coast for food shows all the time. I also go all the way south and, and north. And the West and East Coast are years ahead of, of where we are here in the Midwest. But we're growing quick. Um, Ten years ago, I think we had eight farmers markets in the St. Louis region. Now we've got over 80. So more and more people are growing their own food, and it puts a big smile on my face. Uh, friends of mine have said to me, you know, if just one out of 200 people would just grow some food, it, it would make a difference. And I said, absolutely it would. It would make a huge difference, especially if they can do it in a sustainable way. I think everything makes a difference. Just one person, as the saying goes, one man with courage makes a majority I think that describes this of just if one person can start growing their own vegetables. And I really like what you had said before about how when you taste it, you'll notice the difference. And that's what I found is you don't want to go back. And I think one of the, I don't know if I would say the biggest surprise, but it was a surprise nonetheless, was the difference, not just between an organic and a conventional vegetable, but at an organic or at least organically grown since not farmers markets suppliers are officially certified organic the difference between something from farmers market which is you know organic or beyond organic and something in a supermarket which is organic there's even a big difference between that oh it's just amazing i i grow 500 kale plants each year and i'm a big proponent of kale i love it um and it, as you i'm sure you know all too well it's the most nutritious green leafy vegetable period um, you can eat. And people constantly, when they come to one of my market booths during the season, they'll, they'll say, oh, yeah, we, we've tried kale in the store before. We don't like it. So I just tear a piece off and hand it to them. And I say, just chew on this. And they always say, it just tastes so much different. Why is that? And I'll tell them, well, I just harvested it an hour ago or two hours ago. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, I'm growing it in a 100% organic method. It's harvested the day you're getting it. 
And I mean, I've been approached by the large chains, one of them, and, and I don't have enough produce to sell to them, and I wouldn't anywhere. I've been leaving taking it right to the, right to the end user. Um, but I, I had one of the managers from one of the large chains just kind of chuckle one day uh, when we were talking on the phone because I told him how much kale I was growing. And he said, oh, yeah, he said, ours is, ours is grown and cut nine days before it goes out in our store shelves. So all the way across the country. So that has a, wow. a, a, a huge effect on the flavor. And I'm not, a scientist. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert, but it has to have an effect on the nutritional value. Oh, I would think it would have to be. I mean, it's sure. always the most nutritious to get it fresh and just grown. So well, any time something's harvested, it starts to immediately oxidize. So, you know, so many times I have people try the olive oil and they'll say, well, wait a minute, it doesn't have that peppery taste at the end. And I always tell people, when you're tasting something, that's not pepper in a poor olive oil. That's acidity. That means the fruit was oxidized when it was crushed to make the olive oil. So you'll see some of the big manufacturers brag on their, their nationwide commercials. Well, we, you know, we pick and press our fruit in 24 hours. Well, 24 hours is too late. The acidity level starts up the second that fruit is picked. So, you know, if you cut your finger off, it would start oxidizing immediately. So, you know, you have to get it sewn back on, right? Um, with an olive, it's, it's the same way. It starts oxidizing immediately. The Coronas family hand picks and presses their product within 30 to 45 minutes. And I know, I've been there and done it. It's amazing. The press is right there. So it's washed and deleafed and pressed immediately. Uh, which stops the acidity at a very, very low 0.24. So, yeah, you can taste the difference. There's no doubt about it. It's 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 real, and when people try it the first time, usually face-to-face with one of my one of my workers and myself, they just we always seem the same, same look in their eyes. How can this be? You know, because we've been used to poor olive oil in this country for a long time. Absolutely. And now the olive oil, I mean, that's a little different than the kale because, like, the kale is – sold fresh right, right from when it was picked. So are there some methods that Olea uses in order to preserve the olive oil? I mean, you know, they have there to use are, some sort of preservatives. There are. To give you an example, in the Valley of Sparta, uh, there's over 1,800 family farms. And I taste every single olive oil I can get my hands on. <laughs> uh, I've tasted, you know, numerous from all over this country, California, of course, primarily. And all over Europe, I've tasted around 400 olive oils in the last four and a half years. Now, of course, I'm biased because I love this product, but I haven't found one that has this kind of an aftertaste. And Aaron, I don't know if you remember when you tasted it, that it had a very long, slow pull, like a fine wine, and that dissipated, oh, yeah. Yeah, then dissipated to nothing at the end of your palate, and then it came back over your palate two, three, four times. And one of the things the um, Cronus family does, I mean, everything has to be taken into totality as far as the, the uh, fields have never had a man-made fertilizer, pesticide, or herbicide put on, ever. And the trees were planted in the 1850s by um, Nicholas Cronus. Uh, actually, he planted the trees after returning from uh, work in the United States for 10 years to get the money to buy trees. And so... It's not only that they were planted in this special region of the world with special acidity in the soil and sunlight and, 
actually uh, weather like you have in Southern California there. But their whole process of using only compost from their own sheep to fertilize the fields. Um, they use water from the river of Rhodus to irrigate the trees. And one of the, the most remarkable thing I saw the first time I went is that not only are the olives picked and pressed, they're, they're hand-picked so you just don't get a bad olive, which is just incredible because we're picking, you know, hundreds of thousands at a time in, in huge bins. Um, but the other thing is immediately upon pressing, and this is all done under the eye of the family. This is not done by other people. Immediately upon pressing, the, the first press, which by brief law can only be served for human consumption, the first cold press. This is not the law in other countries, only in Greece. That first cold press is put into stainless steel airtight tanks by the Cronus family. They put their own locks on the tanks, and the oil is left to settle for 60 days. Now, this is extremely rare, and the reason it is is families can't afford to do that. They have to bottle it and get it on the market and get paid for it immediately. Magic happens during that 60 days. It, it, the olive oil kind of matures. Something happens in that 60 days, and like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a chemist. But it gives that super smooth, almost sweet taste to it. And they're the only family I've run into that does this. I've never heard of another family doing it. Uh, at the end of the 60 days, when, when after you know numerous testings, the olive oil is bottled under their eye, under the eye of the family, and then it's immediately uh, shipped over here to me. So it's, it's a pretty incredible process, very time-consuming, very similar to making a fine wine as far as, you know, just the fact that this is not just business. This is a way of life. These people live on... Uh, the olive tree, and they have for thousands of years. You talk about the term first press, and I would say that's one of the most important terms to look for in olive oil. Can you explain a little bit of the difference between first press and cold press? Well, actually, there's there's a lot of differences here, and you know I don't know how much time we have, but um, <laughs> in by let's Greek, give the abridged version. Yeah, I'll give you the abridged version here. Uh, by Greek law, this is Greek federal law, the first cold press. And that is a press when the olives are around 78 degrees and, and totally different from a, a heated press, which they never do. Um, the first cold press is the only olive oil that is fit for human consumption. So you may not do a second press and serve it in, Greek, in Greece under federal law for human consumption. The second press of the olives in Greece is called lampanade, and it is literally used for lighting lamps or for machine parts or things like that. To give an example, if the Cronus family ever did them, heated their olive oil, they and they did multiple pressings of it, they would get five times as much olive oil. So the first cold press, you don't get as much as subsequent presses, but the quality of the olive oil, especially from the taste and the antioxidant level, is the top. Each time you press, after the first press, each time you press further, you're just leaving out essential elements in the antioxidant chain. So the other interesting thing about the chronosis is they do not filter the olive oil in any way. They just let it settle by gravity. 
and then siphon it off the top. Well, this also has a huge impact on the health benefits of it. Uh, anytime you run olive oil through a filter, you are taking out antioxidants. So in our olive oil, it's very, very green, and you'll see a tiny little bit of sediment at the bottom of the bottle, and that's a good thing. Um, I read a report just recently. It's a great book out. You've probably heard of it called Extra Virginity. Um, it was on the New York Times mm-hmm. bestseller list. I don't know the author. It had nothing to do with him, but he puts all these facts out there, and it's just wonderful because there's so much misinformation on olive oil. And like I said, I'm not an expert, but I do get my information from the people that do it for a living and have for generations. Um, and we have all these different terms, you know, first press, second press, virginity, extra virginity. A, a recent article I read, our government stated that 75% of olive oil on the store shelves in the United States are blends. That's troubling because when you start blending different olive oils, you're getting all kinds of different antioxidants. And just ask a simple question. If your olive oil needs to be blended, how good is it? You know, I mean, this is one family, one farm, one hand-picking, one cold press. So anytime you start blending to increase your volume, uh, more than likely you're doing it for financial reasons as opposed to uh, the, the, the right reasons, in my opinion. I've personally, taste, I've personally tasted so many olive oils, Aaron, I think that number is way low. I think it's way higher than 75%. And in this book, Extra Virginity, he even talks about it really makes has hardly anything to do with what's on a label. You need to know who's producing it, just like your food in the store. You know, get to know your farmer because, um, you know, people can add things, they can subtract things, they can add alkalines to bring the acidity down. If you know who's producing your food, you'll know if you're getting it pure or not. I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually a higher number than 75% either, but I mean, that's a pretty scary number to think that 75%. And I think a great example you can explain to people of why we should have the pure olive oil is explained in other countries, like only the first press is allowed. Well, it, you know, it's all marketing. Um, it's all marketing and making money. It, it's, it's funny because... You know, I know plenty of people in Italy. I know plenty of people in Greece. And, you know, Italy exports the most olive oil to the United States every year. It's over 140,000 tons. We bring in about 300,000 tons of the imports in the United States uh, in total. Italy brings about half of it. Uh, Spain's next with about 85,000 tons. And I forget who's third. I think it's like Tunisia. Um, but it's all about volume and getting their products sold. In 95% of U.S. restaurants, we serve pumice. Pumice is about the fifth heated press. Pumice has very little nutritional, if any, nutritional value. It is just not a nutrient-dense food anymore by the time it's been pressed five times and, and heat has been added to it. But they do that to get more oil. So, um, yeah, I'm sure that number is much higher than 75% because I can taste it. And I I think you're aware of the big craze of flavored olive oil these days. Well, I asked somebody uh, a couple years ago, why why all the stores with flavored olive oils? And the gentleman basically told me they're cheap olive oils that have no no flavor, so they add flavor to them just to sell them to Americans. So I know friends in Italy, and and they they have told me to my face, 
we would never serve in our country what we send to your country. That's kind of disheartening, isn't it? <laughs> that is, yeah. Yeah, it's not right. <laughs> so we do have the real olive oil here now, though. And, uh, and you know, all countries produce good olive oil, but don't get me wrong. Uh, every country has very fine olive oils. But it's actually finding one of those from a very small certified organic estate that you can actually purchase over here for, for a reasonable price is the key. And we have purposely kept the price down by only having one distributor. You know, most of the time when you get a food item in the store, it's gone through several distributors. Well, we just use one. I work with the family. So uh, our prices are not marked up through the roof. Well, that's great because I know that is certainly one of the challenges with this whole news that's come out recently about olive oils being fake is the notion of, yeah, you might have to pay a little more in order to get the real olive oil. And I think that's great you're able to keep the prices down. We'll talk more with Carl Berger of Olay Estates after these messages. To Your Health Sprouted Flour Company offers organic sprouted grains and flours for all your baking needs. We have more than 34 sprouted products, hundreds of recipes, and are always available to answer your flour and baking questions. Whether you're making sourdough breads, French baguettes, birthday cakes, granola, or pancakes, let us be your sprouted grain and flour source. Certified organic and kosher, featuring 20 gluten-free sprouted products. Visit our website at organicsproutedflour.net or call toll-free 877-401-6837. What is a healthy diet? Conflicting information is thrown at us daily. Help chart your course to wellness with a steady guide, the Weston A. Price Foundation. Our nutrition and health information is helping many families recover from degenerative disease and nutrient deficiencies. Join for only $40 a year and receive our quarterly journal. Visit our website, westonaprice.org, for more details. Perry Pure Eco Rag Industry is an eco-conscious clothing line. Designed and manufactured in Los Angeles, Perry is dedicated to sustainability by using certified organic, eco-friendly, and reclaimed fabrics and using low-impact dyes in its solar-powered facility. The Perry collections are inspired by the changing colors and moods of nature. A portion of all sales go to organizations that support the health of our oceans and seas. Shop today at perrythelabel.com, and for listeners of The Appropriate Omnivore, you'll receive 45% off all items when you use the code OMNI45. We're back. I'm talking with Carl Berger, the distributor for the wonderful Olea Olive Oils. Carl, what are some of the ways people are able to buy your olive oil? Well, we ship all over the nation. Um, I shipped, I shipped literally, to over 40 states last year. And you can go to our website at Olea, O-L-E-A, estates.com. That's Olea Estates, and that's plural, estates.com. You can order it right there. Uh, we actually just dropped the price about two weeks ago, just a little bit, on the 500-milliliter bottle and the 3-liter tin, which is our best seller. And with your permission, I'd like to give your listeners uh, a promotional code. I think that's a great idea. Let's hear okay. the code. Uh, the code is capital H, capital H, capital G, 2012. It's HHG2012. 
and I will keep that code going till the end of March for your uh, listeners if they'd like to try it. Absolutely, and certainly I hope all the listeners will have the chance to try the olive oil like I did at the Wise Traditions Conference. Yeah, they can they can try the olives too. We actually sell the olives online too. And the olives are wonderful. Right. Did you try one of the olives there? I forget whether you did. I did, yes. Okay. Yes, and now how are your olives cured? Uh, the olives are cured. Actually, again, this is the Cronus family are masters at this. Uh, the first time I visited, I went to their home in Sparta, and I went downstairs out on the lower balcony, and Dr. Cronus was there, and he had 10 or 12 barrels of olives in different brines, and he was experimenting with them, and they just do this continuously. Um, we have two olives. We have They're all the same olive. It's a variety of Kalamata called Cuthfidelia, which is a very rare olive. It's one of 29 varieties that grow in the Valley of Sparta. They brine their olives. Our most popular one is the black uh, olive, which is when the olive is picked ripe, 100% ripe. And they put this olive in spring from the same spring they've used since the 1850s, red wine vinegar from their own organic grapes, and five and a quarter percent sea salt that they collect themselves from the banks of the Mediterranean. They change this brine every three days until it reaches the desired uh, acidity. It usually takes about two months. They flush them every three days with new brine, and then they leave them in the brine. So you'll probably remember when you tasted the olive, it probably tasted a little salty, and I thought so too, except a real, real burst of real fresh flavor. Our olives only have five and a quarter percent sea salt in the brine. A typical olive in the store can range anywhere from 18 to 30 percent iodized salt, and usually they're, they're in the cheap grape juice. Um, a typical olive in the store has been in the jar or the, the tin can. It, it ranges anywhere from 19 to 26 months. We bring our olives in fresh every year, and it's just a huge difference. There is. That's another important thing to find the right source from is olives as well as olive oil because I remember the first time I got olives at a farmer's market instead of getting from a store and just they tasted so different from the olives themselves to the juice that they were cured in because the supermarkets they also treated in this lye which is right. filled with chemicals. Right. right. And you can taste it. Um, I actually did not like eating olives until about four and a half years ago because every time I would eat some olives from the store my face would be all puffy the next day from the sodium. And it didn't happen when I ate these olives. I, I couldn't believe it. And, of course, I'd never tasted this kind of flavor before. Uh, one of the favorite things that we like to do, and now I've got hundreds of customers doing it, is saving the brine from the olives. And after eating the olives, mm -hmm. the brine to cook with or put in a crock pot with a roast. The other thing about the Cronus family is these olives are fermented in the brine. It's lacto-fermentation. So all the good enzymes are in there that we need in our gut. So their olives have not been pasteurized where they've been raised to a high temperature to kill everything. Um, as far as shelf life, I had a tin of them on my counter for a year and a half. They don't need to be refrigerated as long as they're kept under the brine. And these are just old traditional food storage method, methods which we now find out are the healthiest thing for our gut to consume. They are, because John Moody has the term bacteria sapiens, that we need the healthy yep. bacteria that we get from fermented foods. So 
that's certainly an advantage of these olives that you find mm-hmm. at the farmers markets and from, yep. from small farmers. I've always loved olives. I mean, I love salty things. I've even eaten the supermarket olives for a long time, but I had one taste of a farmer's market olive. I will never buy olives in a supermarket again. Yeah, I won't either. I, I had a bad I had a bad scene too with them. I, I ate some out of a can and they were bad. Um, it's funny. I think other than the fact that people always look at us when, when my crew and I are out doing tastings, uh, Probably the, the, the most important or the, the thing that comes up most is how can this product be so much different? How can your olive oil be so good? And we always kind of giggle. And then we go into, you know, the inf- information because that's, that's what I believe in giving people the real information from the real people that grow this stuff on a small scale. But the, the second thing that always comes up is people always say, well, you know, we bought some olive oil and it just went rancid in, in three weeks or four weeks. And the chemist that did the report each year on the last dates, this last year, he, this is a Greek chemist, he gave the olive oil a 48 to 6 month shelf life. That's four to five years. We have never had a bottle returned for any reason. If anybody did, of course, I would give them their money back or send them new product, whatever they desire. Um, we also publish both the Greek chemist report, which we have to get by Greek law, and we also publish the um, AgriLab report that we have done by an independent international lab in Southern California. We put these on oleostates.com for people to read and see the comments reports. Even the big companies don't do that. I wonder why. Right. Well, it's similar, I think, to the dairy industry about how um, Absolutely. a lot of dairy industry, they just let the uh, FDA come in and inspect it. But then you have like organic pastures where they do these reports before the FDA comes in and inspects it and right. you know that theirs is the best because they go themselves for doing all the inspection and making sure that it's yep. we, certified. We are completely open because we're doing everything the traditional way. Um, we've, we've even had customers go over and visit the fields in Greece. It's just it's just hilarious. Um, yeah, it's it's too bad that that our you know our food in this country is that way. But uh, when you taste the when you taste the real thing, people know it right away. They really do, uh, and and it makes a difference in their life. That's the neatest thing about me being involved with the Cronus family and and Oleo Estates, is that I mean I, I can personally tell you that it has improved my joint function so much using this olive oil the last four and a half years. I can't get over it, and I've been an athlete my whole life. I own a landscape company. I'm an organic farmer now. I've overworked my body. I'm in my 50s, and um, I know when you when you met me, you probably thought I was in my 30s. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right, Carl. Um, but you know, olive oil, aside from all its uh, good benefits for the heart, it's a it, in, being a major antioxidant. It's a major anti-inflammatory. So that I, I felt it within 30 days of starting to consume this olive oil. And of course, I've upped my consumption of it because I cut out a lot. Well, I cut out all the other uh, vegetable oils I was eating because I just wanted the monounsaturated uh, pure olive oil. And I hear this from people literally on a daily basis, either online or on the phone, or uh, when I see customers that've been using the product for for quite a while. It's it's a game changer. So you know, my wife and my wife and I cook every day, and we use it every day just uh, on our salads. We, Put a teaspoon in the pan before we make eggs in the morning. Always medium heat. You never go high heat. 
Um, and it's just really, really been a healthy game changer in our, in our lives. You were talking a little earlier about how people can tour the Olea states, and that was actually a question that I had for you was, is it open to the public? And I think that that's one of the ways to know if a farm is the real deal and if it's sustainable is if they allow visitation yeah, because absolutely, if yeah. they don't, then you got to wonder, well, what are they hiding? Exactly. And like my little my little vegetable farm here in the suburbs of St. Louis, I'm about 40 miles from the city, I bring people out all the time. I want people to see. I bring school children out. I want them to see where food's growing because they think food grows in the supermarket, you know? Um, the, the family in Greece, I mean, they're, they're not young. And what we're trying to do is do this in a reasonable way. So we've already had some customers that really wanted to go over and see, and we, we set up a trip farm. I was just talking to uh, George Cronus yesterday about how to set this up on a little bit more um, professional level where we can bring over maybe groups of eight to ten in the future and, you know, give them a, a nice tour. When I go over there, the tour that I get of the country is nothing that you'll get uh, from a tour agency. It's just not even close. I mean, you know, most times you go to a country like Greece and you go to Athens and you, you do the whole commercial tour there. I, I've seen all that, too. But, I mean, my last trip, we just immediately went out to the, the country two and a half hours away to Sparta. And I, I travel the country north and south, east and west. And you just see things, you know, obviously you're not going to see from a tour group if you're, if you're there with the family. But our plans are to set up to where we can take over groups several times a year and show people and let people taste because not just their olive oil and their olive, but all the food that I've had over there has just been amazing. I mean, keep me up to 1% here. So <laughs> to me, it was that good. I, I, I tell, uh, I, I remember on my first trip, I told my wife, I said, you know, I was actually salivating a couple of hours before each meal, just wondering what they were going to be making for me. It's, it's it's that good. So yeah, there are there are definite plans. Um, it, it's not one of those deals right now where somebody can just show up because there's so much work that is going on all the time. But if uh, somebody definitely wants to see the estate, shoot me an email. I'll I'll uh, I'll set it up with the family. Uh, of course, it's time consuming for them because they have to take time out to, to show people around. And of course, the Greeks are like the Italians and and, and everybody in that region where. You come over and they treat you like family. I mean, it is literally they treat you like family. So they'll drop everything they're doing. And, you know, there's times of year that that just can't be done because there's so much work to do. Well, certainly I'd love to tour it sometime. And also sometime when I'm in the St. Louis area, I'd love to tour your business for the Healthy Harvest Gardens. Anytime at all, you're always welcome. You talked a little about what you sell, some of the kale. What are some of the other vegetables that people can find from Healthy Harvest? Uh, Last year, I grew 11 varieties of heirloom tomato plants, uh, five or six varieties of heirloom uh, pepper plants, lots of kale, uh, patty pan squash is one of my favorites. I did three varieties of patty pan squash, uh, several varieties of potatoes, uh, of course, beans, uh, herbs, so, you know, my farm it does not look like what you see on TV in one of these farms that has super neat rows, you know, and everything looks perfect and everything looks too perfect. My my little spread right. looks more like nature, a little bit planted here, a little bit planted there, because in nature, nothing is planted like we see a uh, commercial farm for a very simple reason. 
the bugs will have a field day if they find everything in one place, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my 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 um my farm is, is, is planted that way, where I've got things scattered all over the place and in different areas and yeah, there's large groups of certain things and but then that same same thing may be repeated two or three hundred yards away. Because I'm, you know, always trying to keep the bugs guessing. Um, but everything that we produce here, we take to the local farmers markets, and we literally sell it. And anything that's left over gets donated every week. Because there's just only so much canning or, or, or blanching and freezing that we can do. Um, but it's it's great. And if if more people just did this on a very small scale in this country, starting in their backyard with a four by eight raised bed. I think we could see, and I think it's happening, Aaron, quite honestly. I think it's happening. I think we're on the verge of a major change here in our food. That's from what I've seen in, in the Midwest. And like I said, we're behind the times here. But I'm seeing it more and more and more often, the people I come in contact with, especially educated people in their late 20s and 30s having children now. They're starting to see the importance of feeding their young children organic food that's produced locally. And, you know, I teach garden classes and I teach people how to do this. Um, and it's not rocket science. Anybody can do it. And it's a game changer for your health. I mean, my family's never sick. I'm looking for wood to knock on, but, you know, I've got a 23-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 17-year-old, two sons and a daughter, and my wife and I. And we just don't get, I mean, I'm sure we get sick that we don't recognize because everybody does get colds and things that they don't recognize. We just don't get sick. And we go all the time. You know, we're, we're hard drivers. Um, it's got to be the food. It's got to be. Oh, it has to be. It has to be the food. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, staying active. Uh, I'll tell you a real, real funny thing. Last time I was in Greece, I was at the family, one of the family's homes. They have three of them and one in Sparta. And Grandma came over from next door, Yaya. Yaya is like 89 or 90 years old. And she was making olive oil soap for me. And she had this huge cauldron burning. And I saw her through the window and I rushed out to help her because I saw her picking up two five-gallon buckets of olive oil. And she wouldn't let me help her pick them up and walk across and put them in the and pour them in the pot. And I, I don't know what she said to, uh, to me in Greek, but it was, uh, you know, I'm sure it wasn't anything too bad. It was, you know, I'm sure it was something to the effect of, hey, young man, I can do this myself. It's just a, it's just a great thing to see, <laughs> especially at that age. So she warmed up to me after that. But, um, very, very interesting. They're lovely people. And um, it's unfortunate to see them going through the financial mess that they're going through over there right now. But um, they care about each other. And they really want to, want to know what Americans think of them. And uh, if anybody gets a chance, I would visit Greece because it's, it's really, really a treat. Someday, hopefully, I hope to visit there, and certainly I'd love to tour the estates. You were talking earlier about how we are on change now, more people getting into gardening. I think that one of the things that inspired it is books such as The Omnivore's Dilemma, movies such as Booting. Are there certain books or movies that you'd recommend people to read? Yeah, I've seen both of those. Um, one that really had an effect on me. Now, there's something else I don't think I, don't, I probably told you in person. My one of my two older sisters got me uh, involved in organic growing years ago. Uh, my oldest, Lisa, has a 154-acre uh, farm in southern Missouri, 
near the Ozarks, and she's totally self-sufficient. It's just amazing. Um, right out of college with a degree in uh, agriculture, she moved to the farm almost 40 years ago, you know, before it was cool. And she's a permaculturist now, and she's a real permaculturist. I mean, she really is in touch with her land like the Indians would be. Uh, it's, it's She's my connection for all my organic pork and my grass-fed beef and my my raw milk and et cetera. But um, one of the books that she referred to me years ago was a four season harvest. I'm trying to think of the gentleman's name that wrote it now. He's got numerous books out and it got me from just thinking about growing food in the spring and summer and fall, but also in the winter and how to build cold frames and cover your food for the winter. Uh, It's 20 degrees here right now in St. Louis and I've still got kale alive in my backyard. I'm about five miles from my farm, but I've got kale in my backyard that I can pick right now and eat. And I've just got little simple cold frames over them, little simple covers to protect them from the wind. So, um, yeah, forks over knives is another good one. There's just a lot of them out there um, that have really impacted my thinking. And and I see things changing. I really do. a movie I recently saw was called The Greater Good Movie, thegreatergoodmovie.org. It's on another topic. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? I haven't, but certainly heard through it. the Westnay Price Foundation, right. I know about it, about the vaccines. Right. It's about the vaccines. It is the most well-put-together documentary I've ever seen. Uh, the lady that uh, did the documentary lives in Idaho. Her name is Leslie Manukian. It's called thegreatergoodmovie.org. I immediately got it and got it for my 10-year-old daughter. The very next week, they went to give her um, a shot of uh, uh, what was the vaccine for uh, girls. They're giving it to everybody now. I can't think of what it was. And she said, nope, I'm not going to have it. And the nurse said, oh, all the girls are getting it. And she said, I'm not getting it. Don't give it to me. (laughs) Then they called her a week later and said, you need to come in and get your shot. And she said, I'm not getting it. So um, another good movie. But yeah, there's, there's just there's a lot of good information out there now. So, you know, that's not, uh, I, I tell people, that's not the excuse anymore that you don't have the information because we've got the information, great documentaries, great movies on, on food, on how to produce your own food. There's numerous books on it, and it's not rocket science. It's not tough. It's easy. I've turned on, I don't know how many people, just in St. Louis. And, um, you know, the people in the food movement, I, I honestly believe they're the most honest people out there, the, the people that are in the real organic, traditional food movement, um, it's a joy. It's a joy to be part of it. Oh, it is, because, I mean, a lot of people in the food movement, it's the salt of the earth people. It is. They're the just, real, you know, they're people the real living people. the simple life. Yeah, but. they're not looking to make a buck. Um, they're, they're looking to promote good health and good food. Um, so it's just, just really, it's really a good thing. Uh, I love the Western A. Price uh, organization, and I go to their, their events every year. Matter of fact, I'm going to their next event in uh, late March, and then I'll go to their new. Oh, me too. Are you really up in Detroit? I am, well, yeah. Well, well, going to Detroit, because I'm actually from that area, from Cleveland. I had no so idea. Midwest is my town. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, live in California now, but I'm a Midwesterner, so glad to kind of go back to that area, because I can visit some family a little bit afterwards. And oh, perfect. Yeah, you know, that was, um, when I met you back in November, that was my first conference, and I love these so much, so... Yeah, I'm looking forward to going to one of these regional ones now. Yeah, yeah. oh, the regional ones are a blast. Um, I'll be going right from uh, a food conference in Chicago, driving straight up to Detroit, 
And then in November, I'll be going to their annual conference in Atlanta again. And there's tons of foodies in Atlanta. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. But uh, yeah, I'll definitely see it that one in Detroit. That'll be fun. Oh yeah. I mean, conferences are really a great place to learn about yeah. these new ones. And I mean, I specifically, I like the Western prices because at their conferences, every vendor has to specifically fit their guidelines. Some of these other conferences, you know, I they agree. allow in I agree. all types of foods and there's a lot of greenwashing or yep. also the term I use, health washing of some of these. Ah. They're not as natural as you think, but Western Price, it has to fit their guidelines. So when I walked by your booth and I saw olive oil, I'm like, well, this is a Western Price conference. This has to be the real deal. I got to try this. Yeah, I remember you the first time you came by. That was, that was fun. I have found that at their conferences, I have not found educated people. And I personally have not learned as much from them as I have from anybody else. Um, remember I told you my oldest sister got me involved in the food movement years ago. She right. got Sally Fallon's book when it came out in the first printing 12 and a half years ago. And Sally Fallon, oh, wow. the founder of Weston A. Price, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I have not found more knowledgeable people that can back it up with science. And and it just, it's just it's so funny because... What we see out there, what we hear on a daily basis, whether it's regarding olive oil or eggs or milk or anything, it's almost the exact opposite to the, you know, that we hear in the commercial media. It's almost the exact opposite of everything they say is, is the most helpful for human beings. Right. Well, it's kind of like nourishing tradition said. It's politically incorrect nutrition. It is. What they offer because it was just the opposite of everything we've been told. It, it is. I almost feel like I'm doing the same thing with Olea Estates because, you know, the families told me, well, if they blended it and cut it and, and pressed it five times, they could produce 500 more, you know, percent more olive oil and make that much more money. But it's more than business to them. It's life. You know, it is life. And, um, you know, integrity in our food supply, I think, is key. And, and I think it's... I think it's easily coming around. You see all the big companies now investing in the organic companies, and that's very interesting. So um, I just hope we can get more small people starting gardens in their backyard, and um, maybe one out of every couple hundred will plant an acre or two, you know, and start start selling it at farmers markets or putting it up for their own families, so that on a daily basis we can bombard our families with. Uh, the right vitamins and nutrients um, in the food we eat today. I think that's just key. Another important thing I think we need to see is more young people going into farming and agriculture. Because right now there is a shortage. And actually there's a documentary that's in the very early stages now, but hopefully in a few years we'll see it. We had the director on my show a few weeks ago, Graham Merriweather, that directed American Meat. His next documentary is going to be on young farmers. Great. That's great. Yeah, I was actually uh, at my house here two years ago, and a lady came walking up my long driveway. And I, I, I live in the woods, back up to the, back up to some woods, and you can't see the neighbors from here. And she came walking up, and she said, are you Carl? And I said, yeah. She said, well, I talked to somebody else over in the other part of the subdivision. And they said, you're the organic grower in the subdivision. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm sure there's another one, but I'm one of them. Well, that was two years ago. They just moved into the subdivision from the city in St. Louis. Uh, this lady and her husband are 28 years old. That first year, we just got to the end. I gave them literally a grocery bag full of seeds, and we got them started on a garden. And they've got a 60 by 50 square foot garden in, on their property right now. And they're growing food. And it's just wonderful. I think in a lot of ways, farmers are kind of the most 
overlooked occupation, or at least they have been uh, maybe until recent times, because I mean, you know, a lot of times we don't think of farmers as way of like other professions, but look at, I mean, food is a necessity and now it's such a culture of food that it's the most overlooked, probably the most important profession. If you think I think about so it. too. I think, I think right there with teachers and uh, I think it was Warren Buffett a few years ago during the big when the financial crisis started. Um, oh no, it wasn't. It was Jim Rogers, the um, the commodity specialist, Jim Rogers, who said um, I heard on a, a national TV show, and he said he had advice for people on Wall Street, and the advice was learn how to learn how to drive a tractor. And the interviewer said, "What, well, Mr. Rogers? What are you talking about?" And he said, "We need farmers in this country." And I couldn't believe it. I almost fell out of my chair because Jim Rogers is one of the world's foremost authorities on commodities markets. And he, you know, when he talks, he can move markets. He's, he's got that kind of impact. And the interviewer said, well, well, Mr. Rogers, are you serious? And he said, yes. He said, if you ever noticed, all the farmers in the United States are old men. And he said, because the women were too smart to do it. So they call the old women out there. <laughs> and he said, we need to spend more money on our food and we need more farmers. And my advice for people on Wall Street is get out there and start learning to drive tractors because in the next 20 to 30 years, and I think even sooner actually, uh, you know, we're going to follow, we're going to find a food crisis as we continue to, to devastate uh, the minerals in our soil by using large agricultural methods. We're going to need more people growing food and, you know, hopefully in a sustainable way organically to start building the soil again. It was shocking, it was shocking oh, to see, you know, somebody who had been on Wall Street talking this way. And it was kind of enlightening, too. It was kind of nice. Oh, absolutely. We're going to need to see more of that. Well, Carl, thank you so much for coming on the program. We're going to have to go to our desserts in a second. But before we go, give the listeners the websites where they can find both Olea Estates as well as the Healthy okay. Harvest Garden. Well, Aaron, I want to thank you as well. It's been a pleasure. It was a pleasure meeting you as well. And I'll see you at the next next event. Uh the Olea Estates website is Olea, O-L-E-A, and then the second word, in, it all comes as one word, is estates, E-S-T-A-T-E-S dot com, oleaestates.com. And the promo code that we enacted for this is, that you can use on a purchase there, is capital H, capital H, capital G, 2012, H-H-G 2012, and it is case, case sensitive. My uh, garden website, my farm website, is healthyharvestgardens.com, and uh, you can get hold of me on either one. My uh, my email is carlwithak at oleaestates.com, and I love talking to people about food. I love it, too, so it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Aaron. And now for the desserts, how to live appropriately in the upcoming week. This Sunday is the Jewish holiday of Purim. The blog Real Food Kosher will be hosting a blog carnival. People can post about forum-related whole foods, which are free of artificial ingredients, trans fats, or highly refined sugars. To post, go to the website realfoodkosher.com. Also, this Thursday, February 28th, the Culture Club 101 in Pasadena begins its 10-class series on the GAPS diet. The classes will be taught by registered dietitian and certified GAPS practitioner Nicole Fox. All classes will take place on Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. That's all for this week of The Appropriate Omnivore. My guest next week is Robert Kane of C-Agri. For more information on my guest, my news stories, and my recommendations, visit my website at appropriateomnivore.com. Okay, well,